3: Geek Buddies fans and welcome to another brand new episode here of Geeky Goodness from the Geek Buddies! That's good, good. he held that, I like that. Uh, (laughs) We're going to get into so much here today, we're very happy to be back to talk about all kinds of things going on in the world of geekery, in the world of nerdery. Uh, We're going to talk about some uh, new trailers. We're going to talk about some Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al. We're going to get into some Batgirl photos. And our main topic is going to be a breakdown and discussion over that Joss Whedon colossal misstep of a PR move uh, for that interview you did for Vulture slash New York Magazine that we will cover a little bit more in depth in our main topic. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roker, writer, producer, and host on the Outlaw Nation and on the Geek Buddies. Mike?
2: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shane?
1: And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you are seeing me coming from one of the last times from this. You might remember there used to be some geeky accoutrement back there. Yeah. But- this is one of my last days in this apartment because I am moving in with my fiance. Oh, moving on up, moving on up right, to the
2: east side. Actually, more to the west side, right? More yeah, more west view,
1: not...
2: like to the west. It side. is.
1: It is to the west and to the north.
3: Back and to the left, back and to the left, back. That's good to know, good to know. Uh, but we're going to get into everything here. And for those of you who are new, thanks so much for watching us. For those of you, uh, oh, sorry. For the, yeah, thanks so much for watching us. And this is how the show works. Each one of us picks a geek news item. We bring it up. We talk about it amongst ourselves. We'll do three of those. Take a quick break, and then we'll jump into our main topic. And for those of you who've been with us for a while now on the Geek Buddies train, thank you so much for staying on the train. Uh, Shannon, I think you're starting us off today.
1: With trailers,
3: trailers,
1: trailers. Today we're doing three streaming series, three very different three I imagine we're all excited for. Uh, (laughs) We're going to start with Amazon Prime's The Lord of the Rings, The Mm -hmm. Rings of Power. So we got our first footage of what this epic Amazon Prime series is going to look like. Very little in the way of footage, but but you did get a sense of... How uh, how well, aesthetically it does we'll sort heroes. of connect to the other? <laughs> <laughs> Who's got some audio playing right now? <laughs>
2: go ahead, yeah. It's go not ahead. Me? Is it? What is that? <laughs> go ahead. No,
3: it's not me. <laughs> yeah. Wait, can John, you guys hear that? Can you guys hear? Oh, it? we totally heard that. How about this? No. Okay. Go ahead. Nope.
2: Nothing. <laughs> By the way, what we all now know is that while Shannon and I do our Geek Buddies news, yeah. John is multitasking for his other podcast. No, that's
3: true. Sometimes I'm re-watching a trailer as you guys are talking at a low volume. So I apologize that it's has uh, on mm-hmm. high volume. Go ahead. You're you're like this the kid. Like, <laughs> it's a new mixer. I don't know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> you're like the kid uh, in the movie set in the fifties where you got the ham radio up your sleeve <laughs> during class.
2: <laughs> this is just like this is just okay. like in college. This is just like in college where <laughs> the system let me sign up for history of theater and uh, general biology at the same time, and I just took both classes at the same time. That's that's what the this is like
3: <laughs> like straddling to your classrooms i love it sorry go ahead go ahead so yes first very
1: little footage from the lord of the rings the rings of power but you know we actually got the title that it is called the rings of power you know we hear yeah. we hear the passage which uh, a lot of our audience will remember from the first uh, lord of the rings movie from fellowship of the ring where they're talking about the different rings that the different races of middle earth got um so yeah i mean i know it's not a lot but gentlemen what did you think of our first very small look at the lord of the rings the rings of power
3: I did a quick trailer reaction for it yesterday, but really announcement a video reaction for it yesterday because I thought we might get some footage, and we didn't. We just got a great voiceover, who I imagine is the new Galadriel or Galadriel-adjacent character, and then seeing the ring. Now, listen, I know, people know, I'm not the biggest fan of the Lord of the Rings, but I do enjoy the <laughs> world of J.R.R. Tolkien, even though I'm not a Hobbits fan. I am a Hobbit fan, and I do like the Dwarves, more
2: wait a minute you're not a hobbits fan but you are a hobbit fan
3: yeah the hobbit trilogy i like the hobbits themselves irritate me although martin freeman is the closest to a hobbit that i would like uh in the hobbit trilogy which is why i enjoy the hobbit trilogy a little bit more um yes i know cantankerous and all of that but still willing to do the job uh but yeah I, i liked it it was a nice it was great to be back into this world i feel like from the energy i got from the announcement video is they understand the task and they are bringing the epicness back to this um uh just the way they've described it in the voiceover and the words they use and seeing the the ring and the water and the mountains forming out of the clouds its just brilliant stuff mike
2: yeah uh said i i like the i think i like um both hobbits and hobbit more than john does But yeah, I mean, look, I think most people uh, in general, it might not be like your favorite thing, but most people really like the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, uh, Return of the King, pretty fantastic movie going experiences, maybe a little bit longer than you would like. You know, we some some people don't love 12 endings, but uh, they're fun movies. They're really good. I think for a lot of us, that was like, you know, seeing fantasy put on the screen in that way, kind of really It it, it meant a lot and it was a lot of fun. The Hobbit movies maybe sort of dinged the world of Middle Earth a little bit. I think when you take a book that's about this thick and turn it into three movies, uh, you are playing with fire and they did not necessarily come out unscathed on those. But I kind of agree with John that this trailer, even though it's just an announcement trailer, kind of hits you right in the middle of your middle earth love. Like it is, hey, this is the rings, this is big, this is epic, we're gonna tell a huge story. And uh, I went back and rewatched the first five minutes of um, Fellowship, which kind of covers the same territory as this announcement trailer. And you really do realize like i'm not a super nerd when it comes to the world of middle earth like i've read the books I enjoy all the movie. Well, I enjoy most of the movies, but I don't know like the deep, deep lore of Middle Earth. So I don't know how much of this series is stuff that we all know or stuff that's going to be new. But definitely, you do realize when you watch the first five minutes of Fellowship, like they're like, "Hey, there was a bunch of rings. This many went to the elves. This many went to the dwarves. This many went to the humans. And then Sauron did some shit." And they kind of just get you through all that really quickly to get to what the movies are about which is the one ring to rule them all so the idea of really delving into what it means to be giving these rings out what it meant for the elves and the dwarves and the humans how this whole thing came about what these rings of power did what they meant what they did like all of it i think is really really interesting so i even though it was just a simple announcement trailer it definitely got me stoked yeah
1: and i'm uh, like you i mean i i read all the books more than twenty years ago, enjoyed enjoyed the Lord of the Rings trilogy. wasn't the biggest fan of the Hobbit trilogy, but because I don't have a ton of knowledge about um, everything, sort of pre pre Bilbo, um, like what did happen to the dwarves PB. with their it's rings? PB is that PB. What it is? <laughs> it's
2: Middle Earth? Middle Earth. It is it is twenty two PB. And after
1: Lord of the Rings is that uh, PF post Frodo? Uh,
2: yeah, it's, it's PF PF post Frodo. Okay. Yeah. PB and PF PB PB and PF. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, the official terms. To, good what stuff.
1: happened to the dwarves with their rings? Like, I was like, oh, I have no idea. I know the elves, it was like Galadriel and Hugo Weaving got two of them, and Lee Pace got one, of course, I think. Of course, the
2: elves, of course, the elves. <laughs> oh, God. You know. Why are you so mad about the elves? They're perfect. pretty and blonde. I
3: guess that's the way to go through life, I guess. Go yeah. ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> uh,
1: the, the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power is going to come out September 2nd oh, on Amazon quick, Prime.
3: Before you move on from this, uh, Shannon, uh, real quick, the creators released a statement after the, the announcement trailer dropped. Oh. Want to get your thoughts on this. They confirmed that uh, Sauron, I hope that's how you say it, mm-hmm. is going to be in this, um, in, in this show. So there were rumors that he was not going to be in this show. It was not going to deal with him, but he is going to be in this show and uh, i pronounced that correctly because someone pointed out i i wasn't going to take you i I was taking you seriously until you mispronounced Sauron. and i'm like okay all right so there what do you guys think about the fact that they are going to at least have that character in this series and it's set what during the second age of man or the second i i think i think that's it
1: well i mean he's the one who made the rings yeah as far as i know so i mean that would make sense that that we would that you know that we would meet him in some capacity. The fact that he would sounds like he's gonna be the principal antagonist based off awesome. of that statement, that's cool because, you know, Sauron uh, now, now you've got me all uh, self-conscious. Yeah, I know. I'm saying it correct. Sauron. Um, you know, we know him as the, the giant eyeball on fire or the big suit of armor. So we never actually met him as a character cinematically. So I think that's very interesting.
3: Yeah, Mike, do you think it's a danger that this is a Death Star situation where they're bringing back a de- another another Sauron? Is it
2: a danger here? I don't think it's a death star situation okay. because it's not like just doing the same thing over and over and over again. I think it I think it is dangerous, but I think it's also the way you got to do it to be successful in today's day and age. I think that uh so many geek franchises are like just diving in and giving you the story you really want. I think the safe the safer thing to do is to be like, "Ooh, let's not we don't know a lot about Sauron before he was the giant butthole in the sky. Let's just be really careful. Let's have a different bad guy. Let's have somebody else. And then, you know, you kind of do something that's kind of telling a story on the periphery, but you don't want to like dive in on it. Um, But I think making him the big antagonist, really delving into who he was before uh, he lost the ring and went and became, you know, the the eye over Mordor, uh, I think is the way to do it. Okay. But, yeah you, you got to hope you do it right because if yeah. you disappoint on a character like this that is one of the OG big bads of all of fantasy literature right. uh if you fuck it up you really fucked it up but if you nail it you're it's a huge win
3: yeah good point all right what's our next trailer show
1: This would be our flag means death. So this is from Taika Waititi and David Jenkins. Uh, David Jenkins created uh, People of Earth on TBS, which was a very, you know, very, very funny show. Um, But this is essentially the story of Steve Bonnet. So Steve Bonnet was a real guy. Like this is based on on history that he was sort of a uh, a spoiled English aristocrat who was born, I I think, in Barbados and decided one day that he wanted to take up piracy. possibly because he wanted to escape a bad marriage. <laughs> so this guy who had no idea how to pirate buys a ship, names it the Revenge and starts going up and down the uh the coast of what is now the US, the US East Coast, um trying to pirate as best he can and because again, he wasn't very good at it, um he actually runs across Blackbeard and develops a, sort of a mentor/friendship with him. So we have Reese Darby from uh flight of the concords and wrecked uh playing steed bonnet you've got taika uh watiti playing blackbeard you have a cast of just com- comedic heavy hitters like leslie jones fred armisen christian who for from uh who played hodor in game of thrones um gonna be on hbo max i thought this looked incredibly funny gentlemen what did you think of our first look at our flag means death
2: mike um, I, I think it's gonna be great. I'm super excited for it. I will say that the trailer, I don't think the trailer delivered necessarily on the laughs that I think the show will deliver on. I think that this trailer made me realize how much faith I have in Taika Waititi, like, like that. I watched the trailer and I'm like, this is, it was perfectly cute. It was a fun trailer. Leslie Jones showing up and telling him he's an idiot was that that gave me a chuckle. But I mean, this isn't a trailer that had me like rolling off the couch laughing. It was like, okay, yeah, this is cute. I get what this is. But hearing Taika's voice at the end of that trailer and knowing that this is like a Taika Waititi thing, I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely watching this. Like, yes. I think this will be great. Like, I think the show will be funnier than, than this trailer necessarily was. Um, and so we'll see. But yes, I I also knew about a little bit of the history. And I was like, this is definitely a great story to tell. Like, this <laughs> idea of someone who's like, I'm going to be a pirate. Like, truth is stranger than fiction sometimes. And this is definitely something that, uh, that Taika Waititi it's right up his alley. So I'm in.
3: Yeah, this comes almost in the vein of Monty Python. I remember they did, uh, uh, well, some of them did Yellowbeard after they had kind of broken up there at the end of the 70s, for those of you who old enough to remember. And so they, they kind of, the, piracy is always, the Brits love to play around with piracy. It's a big thing in their comedic thing. It's a big thing when they do dramatic stuff. But we know in the box office, and of course, this is a streaming show, we know it doesn't always do well unless Johnny Depp is in it. So you've got to worry about how. This will come across. I don't know how many people this is for. I really don't know how many people because it's not broad enough to appeal to a wide swath of, of people. But I think it's going to be funny. It's going to be nice to see. The, I mean, Leslie Jones in a pirate outfit or in a, in a you know, dressed up there in, in, of the outfits of the time. I think is a great look and very funny. Reese Darby, very, fun. I mean, in Jumanji, he's hilarious in Jumanji. Yeah. Uh, So great to see him kind of lead something like that. And he's perfect casting for a character, as you two described, who I had never heard of, by the way. Uh really? Yeah, no, not at all. Not, no. Uh, but this, I love the fact that this is a, a, a guy you pick and immediately think, oh, this is the kind of guy that would totally do this. <laughs> and would totally run off and get into all these adventures and what have you. So if nothing else, it's going to be a fun time with these characters and these actors. And I hope it works, but I'm with Michael. Like, I didn't laugh a lot through the trailer, and I was more like, eh, eh.
2: I just think it's funny. Like, it, it, it always – it cracks me up that pirates were real. Like, pirates feel like something that's, like, made up. <laughs> I don't like,
3: know how you think it's in the past. I'm going to take you to Somalia and try well, to okay. like, around, I mean, yes, like...
2: pirates. That pirates still exist today, but the <laughs> – the the the, well i guess that's what it is like we sort of plank walking pirate (laughs) we sort of have this romanticized view of pirates that has been very informed by fiction and other things so i think the idea of pirates and piracy and walking the plank and buried treasure and all this stuff like you know it just feels so made up and so when you do have a character like this that like really existed and you're like wait this dude was like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna hire a crew and I'm gonna ravage the seven seas. Like you're like I, you, I just can't believe it's real. That's really where I'm at on this. A well,
3: rich aristocrat designing to change her life. I mean, at the time, I guess she could because it was not cheap to be a pirate. If you're gonna just start from scratch, that's for sure.
1: Well, and again, the whole. I mean, if the if the stories are true, and the whole reason he did was because, like, oh, I really don't like my wife. I got to get out of here. Oh, I got it. I'll be a pirate. <laughs> so that is coming out March uh, this March on HBO Max, and we get to. The big trailer, which did drop last week, but I think we were all very excited to see it, not only because we're excited to see this footage, but also we now have confirmation what the next MCU Disney Plus series is going to be. We get our first look at Oscar Isaac in Moon Knight. So I thought this was incredibly cool. Moon Knight is a character that I, that I know very peripherally, mm. um, but based off of the footage, it certainly has me excited. I'll throw it over to you
2: guys first. What did you all think of our first look at Moon Knight? Johnny, you take it because you know the most about Moon Knight out of the three of us. Well,
3: yeah, I mean, but I, possible. I mean, I, all I know is I'm a massive fan, and I read. I'm always getting his stuff when I go to when we used to go to Comic Con those Sunday uh, shopping days there. I'd go all the way to the back of the Comic Con there and buy stacks of those graphic novels all compiled to enjoy uh moon knight he's just a character that's always spoke to me um for whatever reason the egyptian connection the idea that's two different personalities living within the same person the idea of having this dissociative identity disorder and how to figure that out and i you know some people pointed that out to me so i want to clarify that i said schizophrenia in my trailer reaction but i should have said did that's what we're dealing with here and the way they approach this Is so brilliantly Marvel, right? The stakes are there. There's really something serious going on with this guy, but we're also going to have these comedic moments. We're essentially walking out onto a high wire to use this guy's condition, his mental health condition, as an occasional source of humor. So it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. That being said, Konshu showing up made me lose my damn mind seeing the actual outfit in usage, in form, him punching the dude, jumping across the building, all of it looked great. And having Oscar playing two different characters, uh, having the British accent, which I haven't seen in quite some time from him, uh, and just the overall feel of this thing, I think is great. And there's a lot that's being teased, and you can watch other people's easter egg videos to see like what might be coming what what little things were appearing through the trailer they hinted at a darker more interesting world you know as we're going into the magic as we're going into space there's also this and what is this this is connected to the past this is egyptian stuff this is god stuff this is kind of black adam shazam territory that is marvel based so interesting to see all of it being alluded to here but i loved loved this trailer and love the outfit so yeah what do you think mike
2: I mean, I the, the, I was super into this trailer, yeah. uh, and again, I don't know a ton about Moon Knight, so I'm actually really curious. For any of our listeners who are like hardcore Moon Knight fans, like how did you guys feel about this trailer? Like, did this like does this feel like it's going down the direction you want? Is it different from the Moon Knight that you know? Like, I'm actually really genuinely curious. So let us know. But um, couple things: one, the fact that we live in an era where we have a TV show, a superhero <laughs> TV show with Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke in it, I'm just like this is bonkers like it's just it is a it is a wealth of riches um i think you know i think it's Oscar Isaac makes no real secret about it. I don't think he fully enjoyed his time as Poe Dameron in the uh, in the Star Wars movies and the big franchise. But just based on this trailer, this looks like an acting challenge that really just like is right up his alley. Like it looks like he's coming into the Marvel universe in a way that is much more of what Oscar Isaac would prefer uh, than Poe Dameron, and definitely more than um, Apocalypse. So I think that, like, Oscar Isaac is. It looks like he finally got his big. Uh, studio franchise casting in the way that is good for him um, I'm really curious about the tone of it Like, I think mm-hmm. that people who love Moon Knight uh, are definitely looking forward to a darker side of the Marvel Universe this trailer, just given the tone of it, feels like it's darker, but the fact that it's the Marvel Universe and the fact that it's yeah. on Disney+, Plus, I'm really curious to see how dark it goes, um, how violent it goes, and Is it going to be so dark and violent that people who are fans of the Marvel universe feel like it doesn't fit or is it going to be not dark and violent enough? So hardcore moon Knight fans are going to feel like it's watered down. Like they're definitely walking a really fine line here. Um, and the trailer, hints at so many things that are exciting and I'm curious to see if they really deliver on what is kind of promised in that trailer like the creepiness and the weirdness um I hope it does yeah um and just in general I mean you know Eternals just came out uh in the past week on Disney plus as well and I was kind of re-watching that and it really is between the Black Knight stuff Blade coming along now Moon Knight I mean we you gotta say they're not resting on their laurels. They're not just wash, rinsing, and repeating what they did in the first three phases. Like we're getting into some weird, weird stuff and it'll be really interesting to see how this all weaves together. And if they can pull off again, what they did in those first three phases and really make all of this feel like it's of a piece.
1: Yeah. And kind of looking at the, again, not being a a big Moon Knight reader, like looking at the costume, that all white, the cape, uh, I was kind of like, how is this gonna look? on on screen and it looks really cool i mean you see the way he sort of turns into moon knight you see the the bandages almost sort of wrap around him i was like oh that's really really cool and also speaking to the tone like this definitely does look very very serious but a lot of the um panels that moon knight fans have been posting sort of in their excitement um Mm -hmm. are really funny Mm -hmm. so it's like oh "Oh, are we gonna get to see this i mean it almost almost like a deadpool like humor uh, I was like, I'm really curious if that's going to make it onto the screen in this first iteration. And also, this is the first time on a Disney Plus show that we're getting an origin story yeah. for somebody. So, this is all very, very exciting.
3: Yeah, someone posted a panel of him and Punisher like taking ball busting to the worst level possible. And oh I remember that panel.
1: I saw that one. <laughs> It's like, how's your family?
3: Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, how's that how's the dissociative identity disorder thing going? Jesus Christ! But yeah, it's it's Deadpool, but and this is what I've always liked about Moon Knight it's humor, but it's really unsettling humor that you're like, I don't know, I should be laughing at this. And it's a challenging thing. kind of like Hellblazer at times. Certain panels and head, I know it's a DC thing, but certain panels of Hellblazer, Hellblazer, you're like, oh my god, what are we doing here? So Uh, But, yeah, exciting stuff. But, uh, of course, sad to report that uh, one of the characters, Midnight Man, uh, Gaspar Ulil, the actor, sadly passed away from in a skiing accident, 37 years old, I think a day or two ago as we're recording this. So just sad. And, uh, you know, obviously he's going to have a part. Obviously they finished shooting his part on the show, so we'll see what they do with that going forward. Um, But, yeah, and a lot of people speculating that that, uh, Moon Knight is beating up Werewolf by Night there. That's who he's punching. So that could be interesting if they start if that's where they introduce werewolf by night uh initially and maybe we'll get as Michael mentioned the blade and we'll get other other characters that are kind of adjacent to moon knight kind of popping up throughout. I mean Daredevil and Moon Knight is not out of the realm of possibility so these yeah. kinds of things you can play around with for sure and punisher not out of the realm of possibility as I just mentioned from that panel so
1: and because the first episode drops march 30th yeah, um it's it's going to cross paths with uh dr strange coming out the first weekend. Yeah.
3: Well, so, what do you guys think about this they released the information that there's an r cut and a pg-13 cut of dr strange and they're waiting to get the r cut approved by disney or if they're going to go with the pg-13 cut because it was also wow. re- released that Batman the Batman is officially PG-13 which is disappointing for me but I understand why.
2: It's just It's Because every Batman movie that's ever come out ever has been PG-13? Yeah but this like, doesn't look like they're going uh, the PG-13 route this looks pretty brutal I was so I was like uh, yeah when I saw those articles it was like the, the Batman is PG-13 and everyone's going crazy and I'm like yeah like all the Batman movies <laughs> Fine. Uh, all right let's move on what do we have mike Uh, speaking of batman i think mike's taking it away yeah well also not r-rated but we've got a lot of updates on batgirl (laughs) i mean not really updates so much as there's just been a lot of uh photos that have been leaked online a lot of things that are being revealed uh nothing that's like spoiler worthy to the no way home level so i think everything that's kind of been in the photos is more or less kind of fair game it's kind of just confirming a lot of things that people already thought or knew first and foremost we've finally gotten a really good look um at leslie grace in the costume and it looks fantastic i think most people are really really feeling good about how it looks definitely um hearkening back to sort of like the comics update of Batgirl more recently, which does tie uh, color-wise back to Batgirl's original 60s outfit. And I think it looks really, really neat. Uh, John has it up here uh, for everyone to see We're watching. Um, But yeah, so everyone's feeling really good. The purple, the yellow, it's looking really neat. Um, A lot of other things kind of being sort of teased and released as well uh, in the photos that come out. We've gotten a little bit of a look um, at Brendan Fraser in his costume. Um, And we've also seen a couple other kind of interesting things. Like we've seen her um, wearing a GCPD shirt. So people are wondering if this version of Barbara Gordon is working for the GCPD, if she's just wearing this because of uh, Commissioner Gordon, what's going on there. Um, There's a giant mural that's been released that's very clearly a Michael Keaton-esque Batman that also seems to have a Robin uh, in the image. So people are really curious about that. Um, and then there's a lot of Gotham Patler uh, uh, magazine covers that are coming out that reference the Court of Owls, uh, yeah. a circus performer that was trying to, that was recruited by the Court of Owls. We see Vicki Vale's name. We see mention of Lex Luthor in jail because of the bombing of the Capitol. So it seems that no matter what happens with Flashpoint, not everything from the Verse is being completely erased. So a lot of really, really interesting things there. And then um, a lot of people are really excited because we've also seen... Um, Leslie Grace in photos with uh, trans actress Ivory Aquino, mm-hmm. um, which looks like she'll be playing um, Alicia Yo, who is uh, a trans character that Gail Simone created in her Batgirl run. So a lot of information coming out that is getting people really, really stoked about Batgirl. Um, a lot of people who are hardcore Batgirl fans seem to be really excited about the direction they're taking with that. And if you're curious as to where the DC Universe is going post-Flashpoint, Um, As far as how they are kind of bringing everything together. How Michael Keaton's character is being looped into this. A lot of little tidbits and hints and things to whet your appetite. So... In general, I'll say, uh, you know, I don't usually cover the DC stuff because I'm usually the one who's uh, being snarky on the side about DC stuff. But really so far, uh, everything about Batgirl has me really, really, really excited. I think Leslie Grace is a great actress. I thought she was amazing in In the Heights. And I'm a big Barbara Gordon fan. I'm a big uh, Gail Simone fan and her run on um, on Batgirl. So everything that I'm seeing here, I'm getting super, super stoked about. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I thought
1: all of the photos. I mean, everything looks really cool. And thus far, and correct me if I'm wrong here, um, this seems to be the biggest movie that Warner Brothers has made exclusively for HBO Max to this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at this—just what the scale of the production. Uh, it, they're not—they're not cutting corners. At least that's what it appears from the the stuff that we've seen. Uh, the costume, the first shot that I think Leslie Grace actually put out on on Twitter on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think I'm like, oh, the color's a little bright. Um, but that's that's the that's the outfit. I mean, that's the especially from the, the most recent yeah. run. And the fact that she's wearing those kind of yellow Doc Martin-like boots, I was like, that is such a great detail. Yeah. And there were some other uh, uh, behind the scenes photos that had her in the costume lit differently, and it was much more muted. So I'm kind of like, okay, great. Like I think this this looks like it could probably be incredibly cool and it doesn't seem like they're skimping like it's not like oh this is just an hbo max movie it looks like they're really putting some um creative and some financial muscle behind it so i think it looks very encouraging
3: yeah i'm not as ingratiated in the world of batgirl so i'm gonna you know kind of follow y'all's leads and and just give my opinion here um as rudimentary as it may be or limited as may uh i like the look and i like that they're hearkening back towards the current look and what yvonne craig did back in the 1960s it has that vibe to it so i like that it's a nice mix of both so you're appealing to multiple generations here to enjoy this and come take a look at this and and have some fun with it love leslie grace as as michael pointed out incredible actress uh latina actress i mean there's i mean how many latinos are now getting like center stage in these series in these movies here from hbo max and and wb and dc it's just so so great to see finally and excited to see what more we're going to get but i like the look of this there's shots of it that look you know they're they're, the places they're choosing to shoot these like kind of tight alleys and these brick buildings in the snow and all of it the look of a very densely populated i love that it makes it feel very lived in it makes it feel like you've got uh, a world that you're operating in that you're creating and i love that vibe to it overall dig the look love the new characters we're getting love the, the brendan Fraser look as well so all of it is working to get just get me excited to see what we're going to get so i got a feeling we're heading towards a second uh golden age of enjoyment of these comic book uh characters and heroes as we go into the lesser how can i say this correctly the the once we've moved past the standard A-list characters now, we're getting these other characters that have been building up for quite some time, getting a chance to shine, getting a chance to lead their own series. And I think that's exciting to see. And I think we're a lot of people who have had these characters kind of hidden away or stored away, or have this like group of people that love this character as much as they do are now getting a chance to kind of express <clears throat> their fandom. Moon Knight, Batgirl, all these characters that are coming down the road. So all of it is just very, very exciting.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm just, honestly, I am so curious to see what, uh where DC lands on everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. they clearly are going big into the Michael Keaton of it all. Like, they're, they're going big into the Michael Keaton of it all and sort of setting him up to be this new sort of bat character that I think, if they do it right could be huge for them and I think John you're right I think like taking like Jaime Reyes taking Barbara Gordon taking these new characters and letting them the new Supergirl like letting them really sort of lead the way into this new era of uh heroes for the DC universe um there's just a lot of potential there's a lot of excitement uh more excitement I think I mean look if you are uh a dc fan of the movies and you've been a dc fan of the movies then you're excited but i think that the stuff that they're doing right now is getting a lot of people who maybe have been a little bit put off by things in the Mm. past uh on board and so i think that if they play their cards right uh not only is there maybe as you say a new golden age of uh interest in these heroes and these newer heroes that are coming out but i think dc might be stepping into an age where they finally uh make up some of the gaps uh between them and the mcu that a lot of people feel that there are
3: yeah and we can thank the four hours x Snyder cut for kind of launching this i think mike i think you would agree with that this new
2: golden age yeah. <laughs> sure that's uh that that's totally what i meant sure that's a thing you said that's a, that, that that's a thing that you said that i'm going to not take the bait on this is great. so what else do we have going on in the world of geek news?
3: well do we have an idea that's coming soon right or coming in a in a little bit later on this year or next year i think it's it's when it's coming is that correct i think so yeah well let's just move past that all right never mind um all right so we're getting, let's move on to this last story here in our first block and this is um Entertainment Weekly has learned that Harry Potter alum Daniel Radcliffe has been cast as the lead in Weird Al Yankovic's uh, Yankovic's upcoming biopic, Weird: The Al Yankovic Story. Wow, I'm sure he spent a lot of time coming up with that title. Um, And it it says here from uh, the official release, the biopic holds nothing back, exploring every facet of Yankovic's life from his meteoric rise to fame with early hits like "Eat It" and "Like a Surgeon." to his torrent celebrity love affairs and famously depraved lifestyle. Weird, the Al Yankovic story takes audiences on a truly unbelievable journey through Yankovic's life and career from gifted child prodigy to the greatest musical legend of all the time. Uh, and one more thing, Yankovic said in a statement, when my last movie, UHF, came out in 1989, which I saw in the theaters, ladies and gentlemen, I made a solemn vow to my fans that I would release a major motion picture every 33 years like clockwork. I'm very happy to say we're on schedule and very thrilled that Daniel Radcliffe will be portraying me in the film. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that this is the role future generations will remember him for. Eric Apple and Yankovic are co-writing this with Eric Apple uh, directing it. And production begins in February in L.A. Mike and Shannon, thoughts on this? Who knew that it was I mean, like Radcliffe is such an out-of-the-box choice and an interesting choice it immediately gives this biopic just a little more credibility, a little more esteem uh, for lack of a better term here than if you just cast some comedian to play him. What did you, what do you guys think about this?
2: It, it it's if you ever said who should play a weird Al in a movie. Yeah. I would never in a million years think of Daniel Radcliffe, but then you look at the photos of Daniel Radcliffe next to weird Al, and you're like, this is, great like, this is this makes sense like i don't know i mean harry potter playing weird al is not a sentence that i ever thought i would utter but i am in i'm, I'm in for it yeah uh, i also saw uhf in theaters and was a big <laughs> fan of that movie was a big fan of weird al when i was a little kid uh and and uh and hey weird al was in my little pony he played cheese sandwich we basically made a pony character that was literally weird al so uh i'm definitely on board i'm in um to see daniel radcliffe uh take on uh the role of cheese sandwich aka weird al yankovic i'm in i love it i mean shannon
3: look at this this is i mean is this uh, i mean mean, weird al is getting the nice end of the stick let me just say that right now because rackliff considerably better looking than Weird Al, but that being said this is a great challenge for him you're an actor shannon i mean this is a great challenge to take on this and dare we believe that this will have a little more gravitas than we anticipate to have someone no. like daniel radcliffe take on this no. story
1: no, I, I i think no. i think they are going purely for the laughs yeah. because right. when i first read that i'm like i don't think i've ever heard daniel radcliffe do an american accent And part of me is like, I hope he doesn't use an American accent. I hope he just plays in English because everything just from the quotes, everything is so tongue in cheek and so in on the joke. It's like, yes, yes make this as 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 wonky and as weird as possible absolutely harry potter should be playing weird hal and eric apple the guy who's directing it i mean he's directed a lot of funny television like he yeah. was he was one of the guys who directed you know brooklyn 99 and son of zorn i don't know if you guys remember that show where jason sudeikis played a sort of Thundar oh, the barbarian it's... type character like really Really off kilter. Some very very funny moments. I, I'm absolutely curious, and the fact that they, I think they're making it for Roku. Yeah, I mean, that, like that's a very that's a very specific platform to release <laughs> to release something on. So uh, I'm I'm incredibly curious how this is going to be.
2: Yeah, I don't think I don't think Gravitas is in the mission statement. For this movie. <laughs> All
3: right, I'm just saying. You never know. I mean, Weird Al must have had some kind of issues growing up as a kid. Well, are we going to explore that? Are we going to see any of that? I just wonder him coming up with these things. Plus, remember, Coolio wanted to kill this guy, man. Don't forget when he did Amish Paradise, Coolio was not kidding. He wanted a piece of where the Yankovic, but because Weird Al had gone to the, the people who owned the song, the 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 uh, the um, record, the studio. And asked for permission. He didn't go to Coolio first. And that caused apparently a a lot of issues uh, between him and Coolio, which they've since squashed. But at the time, I remember reading that Coolio was looking for this guy for making fun of the song. (laughs) And Weird Al was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, so I think it would be funny to throw that in. He's hanging out
1: at accordion shops looking for Weird Al.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, the excitement comes, who's going to play Michael Jackson? You know they're going to have a scene. Who's going to play Madonna? Who's going to play these people That he's making fun of. Is there going to be a Nirvana thing? Because I'll tell you right now, his uh, parody of Smells Like Teen Spirit is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. The video itself is so perfectly done. And also, his like eight to nine minute American Pie opus about the prequels is
2: phenomenal. Phenomenal. Are are we going to have a George Lucas cameo with Weird Al? Maybe they just go full Harry Potter cast. Just bring the whole cast over. I want everybody. I want I mean, Emma as Watson Madonna. as Madonna. I want like I want I want all of it. I want all of it. Like I'm in. Oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm down. Rupert Grint
3: as Ed. Uh, what's his name? The singer that's out nowadays. Uh, Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm uh, but I mean, this immediately gets you excited. It's Daniel Radcliffe, so why not? This looks like a lot of. So they start shooting in February in Los Angeles. We'll see when we get a first trailer for this one. I imagine this is gonna be done pretty quickly. I imagine. That
2: you I you, know, what I about, you know what I love about you know I got I love you know what I love about Daniel Radcliffe. just yeah. as an aside. You know, we were, I was talking to somebody about the Harry Potter uh, reunion. Like you know, I mean, I'm sure that he made enough money to live the rest of his life. It. I mean, he's he's Harry Potter, mm-hmm. but he just seems like he is just picking whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. Like he there's no rhyme or reason. He's like this seems cool. Let's do this, and like you know what, that's a great way to live.
3: Yeah, why not? Good job, Harry. When you got Harry, yeah, good job, Harry. Yeah, as long as you didn't become a pirate, that's a good thing, Harry. That's a good thing. You chose another uh, thing to do with your life, that's for sure. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, just want to remind you all that Carbon Health powers and sponsors the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies. Here, we're very excited that they're continuing their sponsorship. Of us here into the new year. Thank you very much. And for those of you who are interested, Carbon Health is a national healthcare provider that provides healthcare for everybody. The virtual care, there are clinics you can go visit. Go to CarbonHealth.com and go take a look. They've done tests. They're doing testing now for COVID. If you're going overseas, they're doing testing for that as well. They're gonna. They provide so many services that you need in your life. Uh, and if you just go to CarbonHealth.com, you can see if there's one near you or. Uh, a place you can go virtually and have an appointment with them and uh, have them take a look at you guys. Uh, It's a good thing. I think in this world. Okay. Thanks. All right. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, here we go. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into our main topic and discuss this Josh Whedon interview right after this.
2: I wasn't Not sure if
1: There was a song.
2: A weird owl along. song. Does it come to your I mind? Like, I, I like. I like. You know what? I like the whole like. We're going to talk about the Joss Whedon, and then just Shannon is silent. Just <laughs> silence.
1: I don't want to make light of anything. <laughs> Generally, the song is uh, funny, or that's the aim. Um,
3: well, this I'm uh, playing with this mixer. Can you guys hear any of the sound cues?
2: I mean, we heard the so right? Oh, there really? you heard that. You yeah, did
1: you did, did
3: you
2: did you do applause a second? Josh ago? Joss Whedon well? interview. <laughs> uh, all right, all
3: right. Anyway, all right. Let's. Get, I did do applause.
1: Glad uh, that all of our are listeners are, are
2: just jo- riding with us on this. John is playing with his new toy ride. It's
1: great. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a phone ringing on there? Because I heard that as well.
2: <laughs> I I think I yeah.
3: There we go. Joss Whedon interview. All right, let's let's wow. uh, let's get
1: into it. Here. You've so, gone full shock jock right yeah, now, Johnny.
3: <laughs> this is why I got it, because I want to start Johnny. incorporating sounds into all the shows. So Ch-
2: Johnny was meant to be a DJ in the 80s. That's, that's really what we learned today. <laughs> Take Welcome us away, to Shadow K-Rock. Stevens.
3: <laughs> K-Rock by seven. Uh, anyway, all right, let's get into this thing there before we get. Uh, it's good to have a little laugh before we get into something serious. Uh, that's for damn sure. Uh, so this happened. Uh, this uh, broke uh, what on Monday morning, I think. Uh, Joss on MLK Day of all fucking days. This uh, interview broke uh, from uh, uh, Vulture, New York Magazine writer Lila Shapiro. Uh, she's also an editor over there, uh, and she interviewed uh, Joss Whedon over the la- over two days, two separate interviews, talking about. Um, all the accusations, ta- getting his two cents on all the things that have happened to him, and then delving into his past, delving into his life, uh, f- hearing about his upbringing, hearing about his relationship with his mother, his relationship with women growing up, his relationship with on the sets, and all the things, and then getting in getting interviews with other people who've been on the sets with him, other actors, other uh, uh, collaborators who've been with him. This was an incredibly extensive interview deep interview with a lot of work done here uh, by Liza to get to the point of everything and give you incredible amount of context for the things that he is saying. I broke this thing down over an hour and 45 minutes on a video on Monday and went paragraph by paragraph through this. But gentlemen, There is so much to parse out here. His accusations that Gal Gadot misunderstood him because English is not her first language, which is phenomenally offensive to anyone who's an an immigrant to this country or has uh, friends or family who are immigrants to this country. Accused Ray Fisher of being a bad actor as a talent, but also as a person. And then went after and claimed the Michelle Trachtenberg stuff. He had no idea what they're talking about. The Charisma Carpenter stuff. He said, I have no idea what she's talking about. It's phenomenal how, what he did here. And Michael, I, I'll go to you first. I mean, it, it, you've worked in studios. You've worked with actors, uh, both good and bad. And I'm sure this is something, if you're a PR person or if you're a, a studio and you're looking at this and you're going, I'm, I don't think I could ever work with this
2: idiot again. What did you think about this? I am baffled <laughs> as to why he thought this was a good idea. Yeah, now, right. now, I think that the broad concept of I am going to do this big high profile interview because I've been doing work on myself and I'm going to face these allegations and I'm going to talk about what happened theoretically is what someone in his position should do at some point. Right. But if you're going to do that using the strategy, I think what every person said about me is wrong. I'm the maligned party is not a good idea. Like it's just, to go through this whole thing, to have this whole interview come out where you have all these people, multiple people over multiple shows, over multiple years, yeah. all telling stories that all more or less corroborate a system of behavior that seems pretty consistent and saying, I didn't do that. Ah, uh, no, that, that, they misunderstood. Yeah, she doesn't speak English so good. What? No, I'm I, I was never that way. Yeah, no, I did sleep with a lot of people because I couldn't control myself, yeah, because of my therapy and because of how I, my relationship with my mom. But other than that, like, I don't know what everyone's talking about. Like, I'm a nice guy, and to end it being like, I think I'm one of the nicest showrunners ever. Uh, it was like, if you wanted to have an illustration of what a white cisgender tone deaf person in 2022 <laughs> looks like, this article is a masterclass. Yeah, it, it was. It was shocking in his complete lack of self-awareness. Yeah,
3: right. For a guy who's claiming to be in therapy, Shannon, um, Lila got Joss to kind of open up about his process, but he seems completely unaware of what the point of therapy is, which is to kind of explore why you feel the way you feel, take responsibility for the things that you have been taken apart in and forgive. And, and it seems like this is not the right time for him to have done this interview at all because he seems very raw, defensive, angry even at times. And I do want to be fair here for him a little bit and get your thoughts on this also as well, Shannon. Like, he's not the only showrunner who's pulled this nonsense, right? Through Hollywood since the beginning, I'm sure there are showrunners who have done some pretty offensive stuff and maybe even some showrunners that we love and revere over the years have done stuff on shows that we love and revere. So as much as, as terrible as this is, he's not an isolated case. So what did you think about all of this and just his responses to these questions? I mean, part of it, because he's still repped, like he still has
1: representation. He's with CAA, which is one of the biggest, if not the the biggest and most powerful uh, talent agency in Hollywood. Um, Who thought that this was a good idea? Like I can't, I can't imagine, uh, uh, Running this by his agents, by his publicist, and them saying, "Okay, yeah, like, right," because <laughs> you figure the amount of money he has probably spent on therapy in the in the uh, attempt to to better himself and to uh, reconcile with the actions of his past. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like it's he's done that much <laughs> because mm-hmm. the whole idea. I mean, and even before the truly, the truly terrible shit that he did. I mean, the way that uh, he would allegedly talk to his staff and yeah. bring up and, and, and critique a script by a writer who, whose work he was not satisfied with. Um, I, I can tell, like, I don't have a ton of experience with this, but my experience with head writers, and I have been very, very lucky that one of them is Mr. Vogel and, and another friend of ours. No, I'm, but-
2: an, I'm a straight asshole. Well, <laughs> straight and, up asshole,
1: and you do it, but you do it in private. You're an asshole <laughs> in private.
3: <laughs> Blink twice, Shannon, if you're <laughs> Um, the
1: fact that he, he the the aim it seems like the objective to to that was to embarrass the person. Um, yes, and that's not the way. You, that's not the way you get good work out of people. I mean, at least at least in my in, in my experience, and the one. Incident with the costumer where the costumer said right. he he grabbed her and like he physically grabbed her and he's just like oh I don't remember that someone like him wouldn't remember that oh wait no because... wait. He, didn't say he
3: didn't remember that shit and he said there's no way I did oh, no. it I've never oh. put my hands on a woman that's what he said right mm-hmm. but uh,
1: think about the point of view of that co- like I fully believe that costumer yeah that that he that he did that because uh, something like that a memory like that that is burned. That is burned into your psyche. Like that's right. something she'll never forget. And it's easy for him as a person who was juggling so many things, yeah. is like, no, I didn't do that. Like he, he he wouldn't he wouldn't remember that. He wouldn't regard it. Like, no, 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 I didn't do that. It was just it was just shocking to think that he had this much time to sort of come up with what he was going to say and this was the
2: result. Yeah. Like Yeah, I mean I think like sort of to John's point, like to be to be f- as fair as one should be to Joss Whedon, yeah. Um, look, it seems like it seems, and again, we don't know. I don't know Joss Whedon. I'm just going by what I read in this article. It seems like he's in a more healthy relationship now than he was in before with his current with with the with the woman he's currently married to. Yeah. Like it's based on what he said, based on what was said in the interview about where he was in relationships, what he was dealing with. And maybe that is a big part of his therapy. Like just because we, just because we read an article that said that, that basically is like, you feel like it's really tone deaf and you're not taking responsibility for all of the things that people are saying you've done. Maybe in his personal life uh, he has made some big breakthroughs. I don't really know. And so if he has, that is great for him. Like that is wonderful because clearly he had a track record of, cheating and the way he treated women and the way he broke up with women. I mean, it was pretty well documented in the article. So if he's in a better place now, great. Um, to Shannon's point, look, I, I agree with Shannon that I think, uh, you know, berating people is not the best way to get work out of them. But There are very brilliant, very talented people in the creative entertainment industry that are assholes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're assholes because they have the way that they want something to be and they're very specific about what they want and they treat everyone around them shitty and yell and scream and say dumb shit because they are so specific. And although we might hate that behavior, we like the end result. And despite everything we think about Joss Whedon now and despite everyone's opinions about Justice League, look between Buffy and Firefly and all the things he did, like there was a time where Joss Whedon doing something was like, oh, this is gonna be great. Like he was a talented, he was and is a talented creative person who is seemingly very flawed in other ways. So even like, and I think my whole point in this on the whole is that any one of these things, any one of these things, you're sort of like, well, this is someone who's got some demons they are dealing with it. Somebody who is an amazing creative person who has infidelity issues in their personal life, Mm -hmm. okay. A showrunner who berates people and treats people kind of shitty, uh, sucks, don't like that person, but wow, that is a great show. The end result speaks for itself. Okay, not really great, but like that is a thing that exists in our industry. Like any one of these issues, you're kind of like, okay, well, that's a thing. They should take responsibility for that. They should move on. The issue with joss whedon specifically to me is that here is somebody that because of the characters he created because of the shows that he's most well known for sort of was held up by geek fans and by his himself as this paragon of feminism of girl power of all of these things Mm. who then was not acting that way in real life and seemingly treating people shitty and then continuing to do it And then coming on to a set like Justice League, treating all of the actors like shit, um, saying what he said, uh, to Gal Gadot and saying, and then first of all, saying what he said, period, which is I'm not good, you know, I'll ruin your career or whatever it is that he says he didn't say, but other people in his past are like, oh, he said basically the same thing to me. And then when questioned about it saying, well, she doesn't speak English that well, so she probably misunderstood me, which is just. It's an excuse, Mm -hmm. it's an offensive excuse, it's a demeaning excuse. Like even in him trying to excuse his past behavior, he falls right into a pattern of being an asshole currently as he's actually apologizing, which is pretty impressive. So it's just like any one of the things about his life and his past and the things he's been accused of and the things people have said about him, you know, you could almost be like, well, okay, he has to deal with that. Uh, And he's got to deal with that. And he has to like accept that. But here's the other things that are positives. The issue with Joss Whedon is the positives are almost gone and every part of his life seems like a negative right now. Yeah. And Mike, you bring up
3: an excellent point here. Uh, And it seems like people are retroactively looking back at his positives and picking them apart so they don't even feel as positive as they did at one point, including Buffy. I mean, they've gone back to look at those later seasons, and it's in the article how he's how he treats uh, uh, the lesbian storyline, how he treats uh, certain characters and, and and what have you. So you see them poking holes in a dollhouse, poking holes in dollhouse, poking holes in Angel with how things went with Charisma Carpenter. So you start to look back and go, wow, if even your – Um, positives are being ripped apart now in retrospect that there is no positives left. Really the the balance starts to become much more in the favor of the negatives than the positives, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate uh, because it sounds like this is a guy who's very upset about it. Doesn't accept his fault in it and feels like everyone else is creating these narratives about him that aren't true. And I'm just like, this is dude from a human level. Like, You've got to take a look at this and and address it and do better. You have to do better. This is part of the process. And I just wonder what the end desire was that he was going to, because you put your hands in in a writer's um, pen, you're essentially asking for them to dictate the narrative of your life. So you want to come off in a certain way. If you're really trying to get back in the graces of Hollywood, it's real easy simple Uh, I made some mistakes here I clearly have some blind spots that I'm working on I apologize to anyone who's offended by the things that I did or said in the past I'm working on myself and I hope to get another chance in the future to show what I can do again and have a better healthier set uh, that leaves good memories instead of bad memories and maybe do that before I leave this earth boom people would fucking fall over themselves because people naturally want to forgive, especially the large swaths of fans that he still has.
2: Well, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. I think as we get into, and this, this definitely falls into that category, you know, when everybody online and on Twitter starts uh, battling it out about cancel culture, Oh, well now Joss Whedon is canceled. Is JK Rowling canceled? Is Dave Chappelle canceled? Oh, this canceled that canceled. Like, I think you've kind of hit on it, which is, most of the time when fans of any of these people get really, really upset, it's not like there's a bloodlust to go cancel as many people as possible. Usually when you get upset, it's because someone who you respected for a long time or someone who created something that meant a lot to you does something that, that feels completely uh, the opposite of who that person is supposed to be. That really felt makes you feel betrayed. Yeah. It really makes you struggle with the thing that you love that for a lot of people, um, is a big part of your identity like yeah. that, you know, for a lot of people growing up, Buffy was a huge yeah. part. Firefly was a huge part of your identity, similar for JK Rowling with Harry Potter. And I think that it is so the, the, well, you're wrong. This person is wrong. This person is wrong. This person is wrong. This person is wrong. At a certain point, if multiple people are telling you that you're wrong for the exact same thing, yeah, you should probably listen. And I think that's really what this boils down to is it just seems like he's not, this whole article, if you were going to sum it up into one sentence, was Josh Whedon's not listening.
3: Great point. Four, four words. Four words that totally, absolutely nail it. Uh, Shannon, thoughts on this? Uh, any more thoughts to follow up on, on what Mike and I have said?
1: I mean, really, it's it's just sort of getting down to like the minutia of the article, like thinking about specifically thinking about the justice league situation um knowing knowing what he was walking into knowing the sort of uh creative uh creative minefield Mm -hmm. that the production had been at that point going in with your cast who you are going to be working very closely with for a set amount of time immediately setting up a us versus them dynamic is the exact wrong thing to do (laughs) because these people have already been through the wars. Everybody, everybody is trying to achieve the same goal. And again, this quote, the quote was earlier, but it was basically um, him. I, I think it was Ray Fisher. He had said, like, it feels like I'm getting notes right now. I don't take notes, not right. even from Robert Downey Jr. It's just right. like, man, like there's, there's a way to handle this. And that is not that. There is a way to listen to a, a performer's concerns um and and address them and it's sort of that situation where someone is 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 they stop being told no yeah because and and then that's what they expect i mean they talk about that how when he first started on buffy how uh the crew whoever would would hold the door for him and at first (laughs) it became a joke because he would kind of dance through whatever and then by the end he got used to it and ran into a door <laughs> at one point because he got so used to just being told yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, I mean, it's the whole thing. The acting thing was really frustrating. The writing thing enraged me because um, okay. yeah. Oh yeah. Because again,
3: yeah. Her, the, him. The, just a quick example, him, uh, putting, um, uh, notes in public in the writer's room to call out a specific writer in front of all the writers
1: yeah yeah. I mean, yeah. the last person generally who touches a script is your head writer or your show writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Mike has told me stories. like sometimes the, the, the assigned writer can get so far and if it's like, okay, things have changed at the end of the day, Mike's the one who's gonna have to do all the work right. And it might be annoying, but that's what that's your job. like that's what you have to get done to then go and sort of attack the person. <laughs> Yeah. Like that does nothing uh, other than just okay, you're you're mean and you want to take it out on somebody, right. and that is just you know. And, and as you said already, John, Joss Whedon is not the only one who's guilty of this. Like there there yeah. have been a, a, a number of people who have been sort of uh, monsters behind the scenes, mm-hmm. and you you know you hope that we have that we're moving past that.
3: It feels like we are. And, and and I think um, this is something that, and I don't know, my, you guys are, you know, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but like uh, Steve and I doing the cinephiles, we sometimes have to go back and talk about the uncomfortable stuff that has come out about some of these filmmakers um, and some of their treatment of actors on sets. And we have to kind of balance between, we have to kind of strike that balance talking about the movie and respecting the movie, but also kind of calling out the creator, the director, the producer, the actor for their behavior while they were making the movie towards other people. So it's that like balance you have to strike. And more often than not, um, we find ourselves having to kind of uh, be uncomfortable or be upset about it or be unhappy that we have to do this because the we find out this stuff about these people. And I think... That is changing. I think as more and more people are speaking out, we just had someone speak out. God, I wish I could remember the show they're speaking out where they changed showrunners. Oh, for woke, the Hulu show with uh, Lamorne Morris. It came out that they, the the whole one of these writers who left the show spoke about how they were being told who they could make fun of and who could they could not make fun of, and all this kind of stuff. So you're seeing it happen all over the place that. Even, even now, more people are speaking out. So more of these writers who used to be afraid that they wouldn't get staffed again are speaking out and, and actors are speaking out to call this kind of behavior out, whether in a small way or in a large way, that affects the overall vibe and the mood and the toxicity on the set. And I think that's an important thing that more people are doing and should be encouraged to do more
2: and more. I think that is true. I think it is happening more and more. I think the challenge has been... Is and will continue to be that even though I would love it if the most talented people were also the nicest people, because <laughs> um, that's the way the world should work. Right, the Tom Hanksing. Of it that. is not actually always the case. Sometimes the nicest showrunners are not the ones that are going to give you the best show, and sometimes the assholes really are brilliant, which is why they're assholes. And that is not to say that I excuse any of the behavior. And I think the fact that it is being called out more. And that it's not being seen as acceptable uh, to be as acceptable as people used to just take it as that's how it is. <clears throat> I think it is important, and I think it's good that we have those conversations. I think the challenge will always continue to be that sometimes there's assholes that are really, really brilliant. Yeah, you know. And I think that that is going to continue to be the struggle. And I think that's the struggle that we as fans have mm-hmm. is when the person that created the thing that you love is an asshole. Yeah. And you're like I don't know how to feel anymore. I mean, this is a thing that fandoms are dealing with more and more regularly as as to John's point these things are called out more. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a thing that we continue to struggle with. So maybe maybe like being optimistic about it, maybe this will train people that they can't treat people shitty and that you might yeah. be an asshole in your real life, you might be an asshole at home, but you've got to stop being such an asshole in the room. I don't know if it will or not. I know Plenty of assholes that are still working and doing shows that we all love. So it's like it's hard to say, but I hope, I hope it changes.
3: Yeah, I mean, this whole idea that the creative person is the mountain and or the mecca, and we must go to the Mecca, and as opposed to the Mecca kind of meeting us halfway or the mountain meeting us halfway. I think that's what Eventually, because I'm one of the I, I'm at that age now where, like, I don't ever want to see another asshole showrunner, asshole director, male or female, because there have been also stories have come out Ellen, about, uh, you know, asshole females in charge of certain, certain situations as well. Either way, I don't want it. So I'd rather sacrifice the next groundbreaking show in exchange for having a more healthy, to- uh, healthy, uh, toxic, free set and atmosphere and environment. I'd rather have that, to be honest with you, going forward. Um, and, and the truth is Hollywood's not full of a lot of mentally well-adjusted people, normal people. So it's, it's a smashing together of a lot of either mental health or unaddressed issues or desire to be liked or arrogance about their talent. Cause mommy and daddy always stroke them. Uh, it's all of that smashing together in, in a cauldron. So unfortunately you're going to have these um, asshole show as Michael pointed out, who are creating fantastic work. And, are being validated for their behavior because the results validate their behavior, therefore not needing to change in their minds.
2: Well, and I think like a big difference now, uh, and for better or for worse, because you could argue this either way, but in a way, social media is kind of the great equalizer. I Uh, think kind of to your point, like, you know, I think for a lot of uh, staff writers, um, production people, whoever, um, you know, there was no outlet to tell your side of the story. And there's definitely still a fear that if you go to twitter and say hey let me tell you why uh aaron sorkin is a piece of shit or whatever um that you could be blacklisted and you could be like you know you're not going to work anymore but the fear works both ways you know yeah. like i think like there's now the reality of if you treat someone super shitty they can go right to social media and be like let me tell you what happened yeah. and if that gets picked up you see what happens and like so that is dangerous in its own way, but it also is a great equalizer. And I think that's what we're seeing is that we are seeing more and more of these things come out. And I think to John's point, that is why some behaviors are changing because they have to. And so as long as social media is what it is for better and for worse, um, it's going to continue to sort of equalize this to a degree. Yeah.
3: Also, if you, are collaborating with a person uh, who is black or a person of color, uh, telling them you don't want to take their notes about their experience. That's the dumb motherfucking way to go about it. Just letting you know. It's a it, stupid, stupid, arrogant way to go about it. Yeah. It is.
2: I mean, I will say, I think it, th- that, that, the whole Ray Fisher of it all, I mean, I will say, I know we're like, I know we're pretty much wrapping up, but I do yeah. think it's interesting because take everything else about joss whedon out of it zach snyder was clearly a very collaborative director yes. that encouraged his actors to bring themselves to the role wanted to get their feedback clearly worked really closely with ray fisher on crafting the cyborg storyline the fact that joss whedon is not a collaborative director and wants people to just like say the lines that he wrote in and of itself is not worthy of you're the worst person in the world Fair like, enough. Certain directors are always like Aaron Sorkin is very famously like that, uh, that, you know, like this is what I wrote. I, there is a Sorkin way of doing things. You need to say this exactly no matter who you are. Jeff Bridges talks about that. So I think that, you know, the fact that he came in and said, look, whatever Zack Snyder said, like I, this, I'm doing this movie right now. And this is what I'm doing with this role sucks for Ray Fisher, but in and of itself is not the worst thing in the world. Add into that the way he treated the actors, the Mm -hmm. fact that Ray Fisher's specific concerns were, this is the only black character in the movie. Like at a certain point there, Joss Whedon should have as arrogant or as specific as he might've wanted to be. I think he should have listened to some of that. I do think it was dumb. I do think it was arrogant, but I just want to be really clear that like, I don't think that we, you can't really say that like, just because you're not collaborative with your actors, you're a shitty person. Like there are there are plenty of directors who aren't, but I do think that again, and it's what I said about this article in total, like take any single piece of Joss Whedon's many well-documented issues at this point, And it's not good, but it's not, well, you're, you know, you're done. But all of these things piled together in one giant article where he just doesn't listen to anybody. That's really, it's the, it's the sum total that's the problem. Yeah, fair, fair.
3: Shannon, any final words?
1: no I, th- I think i think uh i think vogel hit the nail on the head um sometimes when you're hired when you're hired as an actor you're hired as an actor if the director says this is what i want you to do yeah that's your job um but when you look at sort of the sum of all the parts that's where that's where the issue comes
3: in yeah fair enough. we'll see what happens going forward with joss whedon for sure but let's on un- let's end on a happier note Ladies and gentlemen, not only are these two people geek buddies, they're also people who write and show run uh, animated series. And uh, my friends, Michael Vogel, Shannon McClung, nominated or Michael Vogel nominated for a GLAAD Award. Michael, for Starbase Shortcake, please uh, talk about this.
2: Yeah, uh, big surprise. Uh, GLAAD came out with, I think their 33rd annual uh, media awards that kind of represent um, uh, representation and diversity. Uh, an acceptance in media programming and strawberry shortcake Berry in the big city currently found on youtube uh, was nominated for um i believe it's outstanding program outstanding children's programming so uh it was a really nice surprise it was really great uh really happy that uh strawberry shortcake is more than just an 80s brand and is uh, rocking some uh, representation in big apple city uh so it was really really great some really awesome other people in that category if I I would obviously vote for myself, but I will say that uh, the Muppet Babies Gonzarella episode where Gonzo wears a dress to the ball because he really wants to wear a dress is some stiff competition. So I'm really, uh, I think think Matt Danner and the Muppet Babies team might have it in that one, but it was great and it was really exciting and a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, just uh, I'm happy that uh, Strawberry Shortcake is just chugging along and baking the world a better place one cupcake at a time. What can I say? (laughs) All right well there you go all right well
3: thanks so much for watching this episode of geek buddies everybody we appreciate it madly shannon what do we have to tell them
1: yeah if you would like to follow us on social media on twitter it's at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies if you'd like to follow me on social media on twitter it's at shannon underscore mcclung on instagram at shannon geek buddy if you would like to follow glad award nominated michael vogel it is at mk tune if you would like to follow mr roca it is at the roca says
2: mikey Um, Yeah, unlike Joss Whedon, we like listening to you. Uh, And we like hearing what you have to say about Geek Buddies. So uh, if you're enjoying everything that we are doing, here's a couple things that you can do for us. Uh, Hit that like button below and subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page uh, so that you can find all the amazing geek content and other content that he has going on as he talks about anything and everything that strikes his fancy. Uh, Leave your comments below and let us know what you thought of everything. What did you think of the Joss Whedon article? Did you read the whole thing? It is very long um batgirl the trailers moon knight daniel radcliffe weird owl let us know your thoughts on all of it below if you're listening to us on spotify or apple podcast take a second and leave us some stars and some comments it helps us go up in the rankings and as always the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials and tell everybody that they should come hang out with these two gentlemen and myself your geek buddies there you go and once again we want to thank
3: Carbon Health for powering and sponsoring the Geek Buddy Show. Thank you so much. You can go to carbonhealth.com, see all the multiple places that you can uh, get checked out or get taken a look at. And don't have to be there personally. They do a lot of virtual care. They've got a bunch of clinics all over the country there. So go to carbonhealth.com. They totally believe in you and healthcare for everybody, and coming up with a healthcare plan that is unique to you. They got three pillars of healthcare, and they are some strong pillars that you can use. In your life. So go to healthcare.com and see uh how they can help you today live live a better, healthier life so you can hang around longer to be a geek buddy with the three of us. Yeah. All right, there we go. All right, thanks everybody so much. We'll talk to you next time. Don't forget our reviews coming up uh for Boba Fett later on this week. And we'll talk to you next time with another Boba Fett.
2: Boba oh, Fett where?
3: F- 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 the book of- Just F- sorry Freaked me out that I thought I said the wrong thing there. All (laughs) right, take care. We'll We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode from
2: the Geek Buddies.